Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground. The three spooked girls. Hey, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and today I am joined with my husband, Matt. Hello. Hello, and today we are bringing you a patron select. This episode is dedicated to our patron, Sarah. Thank you so much for supporting the show. She has chosen the Greenbrier Ghost for her episode today. And when I first heard the title, I assumed this was just going to be a totally spooky, I mean, it kind of is, but like just a full ghost story, but it's a lot more true crime versus the ghost part like the ghost part's actually kind of small but we'll get there (laughs) so it wasn't what i expected because i had never heard of it so this story is said to be the only case to have a ghost testimony stand up in court or the only murder case to be solved by a ghost so it's kind of interesting you guys will see what i mean soon So this case occurred in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, and we're going to go back a bit. This case is from the late 1800s. So the victim and the ghost that we'll talk about later, her name is Elva Zona Heaster, and she went by Zona, so I'll be referring to her with that name for the rest of the episode just to make life easier. And there isn't a lot known about her. Like we see in a lot of these older cases, obviously stuff's not super documented. Typically, you know, like technology didn't fucking exist. So there's that. It was so that she was born in Greenbrier County around 1873 or so. And at the age of 22, she had a baby out of wedlock in 1895. And the following year, in 1896, 23-year-old Zona would go to a blacksmith shop with her family, and they'd meet somebody that was new to town. And this guy, he's got a fucking name. His name was Erasmus Stribbling Trout Shoe. Oh, my God. Yeah. But he went by Edward in this town, or his nickname, Trout. Where the hell did he get Edward? I I don't know. He's a sketchy dude. So I'm just gonna call him Edward. I'm not gonna say his 20 names. So (laughs) so nobody gets fucking confused. Edward was known to be a drifter. He had moved to this area for a new start. And he had got a job at this blacksmith shop that was owned by a man named James Crookshanks, which also made me like, be like, what the fuck? Because that's the name of Hermione's cat in Harry Potter. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, that big ass orange furball grumpy thing. Well, Zona was enamored by this 35 year old man and he felt the same way. Meanwhile, Zona's mother, Mary Jane, another fun name, 
was like, uh, no, I get bad vibes from him. I do not like him. No, no. But of course, Zona didn't listen. So after Zona and her family left, she went back by herself later to go talk with him more. And they hit it off. They had a whirlwind romance, of course, that Mary Jane didn't approve of. And the two would elope that October and, of course, move in together. And everything was said to be great. They were in a nice home, good neighbors. One of their neighbors had a 12-year-old son named Anderson Jones. I'll refer to him as Andy. And he would help Zona out with, like, chores around the place and all of that stuff. Well, flash forward a couple months to January 23rd of 1897. So they had only been married, like, three months at this point. That day, Edward had went by Andy's house and talked with his mom, Mrs. Jones, and he had told her that Zona hadn't been feeling well that day, so he wanted to see if Andy could help her out like he usually did. And apparently when he went by the first time, Andy was probably doing stuff for his parents on their property. He was busy. So she was like, oh, he'll be free later. I can send him over, da-da-da. But... Edward went over there about three or so times to check in, and then Andy was finally, like, done with his stuff, so he's like, okay, I'll go, and Edward was like, go by the house, ask her if she needs anything from the store, and then, you know, go pick it up for her. Andy's like, all right, so Edward, I believe, heads to work. A couple said he, like, was still at their house, and then some said he went back to work, and then other versions were like, oh, he ran into this boy when he was at work, and I'm like, no, he knew this kid, but okay. So Andy goes to the shoe home, and when he gets there, he finds Zona dead. And I'm sure you can imagine being 12 and finding a dead body of, you know, not even just like even just a stranger, someone you're very familiar with and like family friends with. I'm sure that was super traumatic. And it's not like she was found dead, like, you know, passed away in her sleep or anything like that. No, no. So she was laying on the floor at the bottom of the stairs, and the first thing to kind of note is her feet weren't pointed towards, weren't like nearest the stairs. You know what I'm trying to say? Like if you were to fall down, they were actually pointed towards like away, like the door, and she was on her back. Okay. So there's that, and then there's more. So also, one of her hands was on her abdomen, and then the other one was kind of like to the side of her so just looked kind of weird and her face was positioned as if she was staring up at Andy and her eyes were just like wide open so poor little Andy he runs back home and tells his mom and you know tells Edward and after this Mrs. Jones she calls the doctor slash coroner because you know back then they had like one doctor in the area typically Mm -hmm. and his name was Dr. George Knapp So, like I said, only one in the area. I think he was out seeing another patient or something. So it took him about an hour to get to their house, to the shoe home. And during that hour, Edward not only moves Zona into the bedroom, he also bathes her body and changes her clothes. And he puts her in this stiff, high-collar dress or topped, depending on the version you go with. And some of the sources I read said this was the same dress she wore when they eloped. Others just said it was just a high-collar dress. But along with this, he also put a really thick veil that was said to have, like, multiple layers over her face. And... We know messing with a body at a crime scene or a possible crime scene is like a huge red flag. No, no, don't do that. But like back then, it was it necessarily wasn't because they would prepare the body. But the thing that was the red flag for them was that this was during this time period 
the women would do this, not the males. Hmm. So they were like, that's weird, but okay. They kind of just chalked it up to his like shock and grief, though. They're like, oh, maybe he's just trying to be helpful, you know, that kind of thing. So Dr. Knapp arrives, like I said, an hour later, and he's ready to do the postmortem exam so they can get a cause of death because, you know, it appeared she was home alone. There was no forced entry, nothing like that to give them any kind of answers. So they had no idea why or how she died. And during the whole thing, Edward is right there. He's sobbing. He's said to be hysterical, cradling Zona's head and all of that, which Dr. Knapp was like, okay, makes sense. His wife just died. Like, all right, that's not too weird. But Dr. Knapp sees a small bit of Zona's neck and what looks like maybe some bruising. So when he tried to get a closer look, apparently Edward freaked out even more. So Dr. Knapp thought that he was upsetting Edward and decided to cut the exam short without finishing it. So he didn't even complete the exam. (laughs) He's just like, nope, we're done. And that's the autopsy? Yeah, I don't think... Autopsies were technically called that yet, but yeah, basically, that's what he okay. was trying to do. They just called it postmortem exam. So same diff, same, 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 same. So because this is cut short, and he's like, okay, we're done early. Dr. Knapp says that Zona's cause of death was everlasting faint. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And articles were basically saying a heart attack, but she was like, healthy early 20s. So they're like, okay, that's bullshit. But then like a little bit later, they changed it due to her quote, female problems. And she had been seeing him for cramps for fucking period cramps. That's what her female problems were. But on the notes, it said childbirths or some sources also said maybe a miscarriage type of thing. But she wasn't pregnant and there was no record she was pregnant. Like she was definitely not pregnant, but she was being treated for the cramps. So they're like, Okay, no, no. So, of course, Zona's friends go to tell Mary Jane, her mom, because, hello, it's her mom. And they said the first response Mary said was the devil has killed her and that she was fucking livid versus like sad, which obviously she was sad because it's her daughter and she's gone. But like the anger outweighed that. Like she was pissed. She's like, I knew something was up. I knew that guy was sketch. Motherfucker. And she was like, cramps don't fucking kill you. No, not a thing. But there was, like, no way to really do anything. She was just very suspicious of Edward, though. So the following day, Zona was placed in a unfinished coffin donated by the local funeral home. That way, so her body could be transported to her parents' house for the wake. And this would be Sunday through going into Monday morning when they would have her funeral. And it was said, like, tons of friends and family and people in the community, they came to pay their respects to Zona. So there's a lot of people going through during the wake. And Edward has some behavior people kind of noticed. First is kind of expected. He was right next to her body the whole time and kept a candle lit by her, which, okay, you know, people didn't think that was really weird. They were like, this is his way of showing his devotion to his dead wife, you know. But the weird behavior started shortly after this. And it was said that he would be grieving, you know, like crying, sobbing, all of that, and then do a 180 and was said to have all of this energy. And they described him as just being manic. So they're like, okay, what? What is happening? But what's even more weird, I think, is that he placed a pillow on one side of her head and then he took a rolled up sheet and put it on the other side of her head to like prop it. And he said he did this because it would let her rest better. They're like, okay, whatever. 
And then he also took a scarf and put it around her neck. And he was like, oh, this was her most favorite one. I just want her to be buried with it. And people were like, "Okay, but like, why wouldn't you have thought to do that when you changed her? But all right, whatever. Not going to, you know, they're not trying to be assholes, but they're like, what the fuck? And on top of that, he would not let anybody get close to her at all. If they tried to, he'd like start flipping out somewhere. So they're like, all right. Then the following morning, so Monday morning, like I said, that was her when her funeral was going to be when they were going to bury her. And when her coffin was being moved, people noticed there was a really alarming looseness to her neck. Like her head was just like, I don't know how to describe it (laughs) with words, but like like moving around way more than it should. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And the, you know, the pocket that, pocket that, y'all. And then after that, Mary Jane took the sheet, you know, before she was buried, took it out of there. And she was trying to give it back to Edward because she's like, I don't know if this like meant something, whatever. She's trying to be nice. And Edward just like freaked out and was like, fuck no, I don't want it. Nope, blah, 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 blah. So she's like, okay. So she takes it home, right? And when doing so, she noticed it had a weird smell to it. So she decided to wash it. And when she did, she said the water turned red and the sheet turned pink, like it was stained. After this, she tried to boil it and air dry it to get the stain out, but it was still there. And she, you know, pretty much instantly was like, oh, my God, this is blood. Like, this is a sign that my daughter did not die from fucking period cramps. No. (laughs) I get it was the 1800s, but like, people ain't stupid, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, I know during that time, female hysteria was an actual thing medically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, her mom was just like, nope, nope, this is horseshit, no. So, you know, Mary was just like, I know some there's foul play, but I don't know what to do or how to prove this. Like, you know, like, she just didn't know what to do. So she prayed, and she prayed that Zona would visit her and tell her what happened, give her a sign on, like, what to fucking tell people to try to, you know, get her justice. And it was said that Mary prayed this prayer every night for four weeks. Then she had a visitor. According to Mary Jane, she said that four nights in a row, right after the four-week mark of when Zona died, a bright light would appear in her room, and then an apparition of Zona appeared in the room, and it would instantly become cold, which with ghosts and stuff like that, that's, you know, cold spots or the environment you're in, cold. Common thing. We know this. And she said that Zona told her she didn't have this perfect marriage and everything wasn't as great as people thought, that Edward was actually abusive and he was the one who murdered her. And she said that the day of her death, Edward had come home and thought she hadn't prepared any meat for supper, so he snapped and fucking killed her. And (laughs) I'm not, I don't know why I'm laughing. I mean, I'm an asshole, but this part is funny to me. So after this, she spun her head all the way around like exorcist style. That's all I could think of. That's why I'm fucking laughing, not laughing that she was fucking murdered to show that her neck was broken and that's how she died. And I was watching this one video. I don't, oh, no, no, no. It was when I was, so guys, there's a drunk history episode on this. It's like a two second segment, but like, that's just what I was thinking of. And that shit's fucking funny. So watch it if you want. (laughs) But apparently the first night, Mary Jane was like, holy shit, that's a weird fucking dream. You know what I mean? But the same thing happened again three more times. And she was like, Definitely awake. 
she wasn't sleeping, nothing like that. Like she stayed out of bed type of thing, I think. And yeah, she was just like not a fucking dream. So she gets her brother-in-law and they decide to go to the prosecutor whose name was John Alfred Preston. And they go to him to ask him to reopen Zona's case and have it looked at again. And of course, when John first hears this, he's like, oh, you're fucking crazy. No, like, no, like, I'm sorry you lost your daughter, but this this is not a thing, right? But apparently Mary Jane insisted this was true and this did happen and they went back and forth for literally hours. And eventually it came up about the exam not being totally done. So John's like, okay, well, let me talk to Dr. Knapp and see what's the deal with that, right? So he talks to him and Dr. Knapp's like, yeah, he he told him everything I told you guys that happened. And John's like, Okay, well, then we at least need to exhume the body so there can be an accurate and proper full exam done. Like, at least give the family answers instead of, like, fucking guessing. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that way everything's just all done. So by this point, obviously it's 1800, so gossip's like the only thing they have to fucking do, right? So newspapers caught wind of this and it spread really bad. And even before, apparently, like it got media attention, there was quite a few people who were suspicious of Edward because they're just like, this is just a little odd. And the more people got talking, the more information about him came out because originally nobody really knew much about his past, right? Well, first off, this fuck, he had been going around talking to other, like right after Arizona died. And he was saying how he wanted to have seven wives in his lifetime and was like talking about getting married to somebody else already. It was like just a couple weeks after she died. (laughs) It's like, okay, you fuck. Wow. Yeah, right? So then people started digging more, and they found out he had two previous marriages that he never mentioned. So his first wife, her name was Ellen, and they had a daughter together named Gerda. And Ellen ended up leaving Edward and divorcing him because he was abusive. They didn't really say, like, what Ellen was up to. She didn't die or anything, but Gerda was raised by Ellen's parents, And then five years after that first marriage, he got married again to a woman named Lucy. And it was said that one day they were said to be working on a project at their home and she just kind of like mysteriously died. And there was evidence she had been struck in the head and a story went around that, oh, he dropped a brick on her. He was really high up like on a ladder type of thing and it accidentally killed her. So that's sketch. And then he, of course, married Zona. And this was two years after his second wife. So those are things to keep in mind. So because, you know, Dr. Knapp is like, yes, the exam wasn't complete. They did go ahead and exhume her body on February 22nd of 1897. And they transported her to a nearby schoolhouse that was right next to the cemetery she was at. Which, like, I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? What they do with all the kids? But apparently they, like, planned this out and they just didn't have school that day. So, like, no kids there. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. I was like, hmm. holy shit. We're going to just traumatize everybody with this case. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's the 1800s. Right? They could just watch. It's fine. <laughs> but apparently Edward wanted to fight tooth and nail and not allow them to do this. But they're like, mm, too fucking bad. Bye. And they were like, you know, you're going to either come by choice or we're going to do it by force. So you pick. And then apparently after that, he just like dropped his head down. And then he said, I know I'll be arrested, but they won't know how to prove it. Which is kind of a weird thing to say. Just saying. So at the schoolhouse, of course, was Dr. Knapp, Edward, the authorities. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if the prosecutor would have been there or not. He wasn't really mentioned. 
But I would assume so, probably just, you know, I feel like how they maybe did things. And then they also had five men to oversee everything as like a jury, unbiased, blah, blah, blah type of thing. And this postmortem exam was said to last about three hours. And they were in luck with all of this for the timing because of the cold weather. Her body wasn't super badly decomposed, like, you know, versus if it had been summertime when this was going on. So because the ground was so cold and everything, it was like not too bad, apparently, type of thing. How long had it been? So she died. It was like a little over a month. So she actually was like a day under a month. So it happened in January and then we're now in February. Yeah. And they didn't have like big fancy coffins or anything to hold off the critters. Mm -hmm. It was just a pine box. Right. Yeah. And those dissolve really fast. So. Right. Yeah. And she got like a very basic one because they like since it was so sudden, they were just trying to be like whatever they had to help out because they donated it to the family type of thing, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're doing the exam, whatever. And then it's. They're doing the internal organs, all of that. They go through that. And then they get to it's time to look at her brain and whatnot. So Dr. Knapp goes to cut an incision in the back of her neck or whatever, back of her head. And when he does, he sees that her neck was broken and dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. On top of that, her windpipe was smashed and there was finger marks that were bruises to suggest strangulation. So, oh, quinky dink. Whoops. Which I was reading one article and they were like, you know, depending on like because she was chained, she was in a high collar thing, all of that. Like it just taking a glance, not being up close, it would have been hard to know her neck was broken and stuff. So they're like, we'll give him that. But he saw the bruises. He should have like done something. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So all this fucking shit. Right. So they're like, oh, fuck. So at this point, obviously, Edward's arrested and he's charged with Zona's murder. And he still fucking goes on and on about, you know, they're not going to be able to prove this. Like he's in jail, like carrying on about this. He's like, they're not going to be able to prove this. This is circumstantial at best. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Fuck you guys. So, of course, he pleads not guilty. Right. Well, while they're awaiting trial, more history with his marriages and stuff and some other stuff come out. I'm assuming the prosecutor checks in with Ellen or at least talks to wherever they lived because they get a hold of the divorce papers. And it not only mentions that he was abusive, but that he was very abusive. He had beaten her several times over the course of their relationship. And basically, she was divorcing him, obviously, for her and her daughter's safety. Like, he was not a good person. Yeah. And then the other story that came out later in regards to the second wife, to Lucy, he apparently tried to say that she just fell and hit her head on a rock. But right after he said this, he fucking dipped. He bolted. He left town. He fled. And it's not like, no, I'm trying to move on with my life, get a fresh start. No, he just fucking, like, ran away. So (laughs) (laughs) he's like, oh, she hit a rock. Bye. (laughs) Peace. Fucker. And then also apparently he had a bunch of charges of like stealing horses and other crimes like that, too. So not a good person at all. Which, with that said, will bring us to the trial, which started on June 22nd, 1897. And I was like, oh, Bug's birthday. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) 
So the prosecution did have Mary take the stand. She was like their star witness, whatever. But he avoided talking about the ghost thing because he's like, they're going to think she's not credible. They're going to think she's crazy. We have all this physical evidence of what happened to her and then all this other stuff. So like we should be good without it. It's fine. Right. So he avoided it completely. But of course, that means the defense is going to bring this up. Right. So they call Mary to the stand. If you guys want to read the full transcripts on this exchange, you can. It'll be on the sources page. It's kind of lengthy. So I decided to not read it on the episode. But basically, defense goes after her. He's a fucking dick. He's just trying to be like, oh, this was just a dream. It doesn't mean anything. It was just a dream. Right. You were asleep. And she stood her fucking ground. She's like, no, fuck you. Like, no. She's like, I know what fucking happened. This is what happened. I was awake. So go fuck yourself. I mean, shouldn't say go fuck yourself. Yeah. But like, you know, that's that's what she did. And that's good because like, you know, there probably are plenty of women during that time period who would have just like tried to be, you know, submissive and not proper stand their ground. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So, you know what I mean? So I'm like, good for you, Mary Jane. <laughs> and, you know, so she told them the whole thing. And even though they went round and round and round, because I think like, you know, that's a interrogation tactic we see now. Like they try to like circle back around to it to see if you change your story. And it was the same detail, same everything. So, yeah. And like I said, the prosecution was nervous about this, but the jury were like, nope, she saw this ghost. This is legit. We believe you. So they believed her. They didn't think anything bad. Wow. Yeah. So with that and then like with all the with everything else, it's just a lot against Edward. Right. So they get him on the stand. And of course, he's like, deny, deny, deny. I had nothing to do with this. Blah, blah, blah. All that bullshit. (laughs) Well, at the end of the trial, the jury sat down to deliberate, and they only deliberated for, I believe it was an hour and 10 minutes. It was just a little over an hour. They would come back with a guilty verdict of first-degree murder because it was either all or nothing. So they did find him guilty, and then they sat down to talk about, like, what's his sentencing going to be, right? So it was either life or death, and 10 of the 12 jurors wanted to go for execution, but the other two were like, no. So, of course, that led to him getting a life sentence without the possibility of parole, which people in the town were fucking pissed. They were like, he deserves to die. He deserves to be executed, et cetera, et cetera. So what did they do? They do what people did in that time period. They decided to form a mob. They were going to like hang him. So they got everything for that. They got like a bunch of weapons, all of that shit. But somebody who was friends with the sheriff called and was like, hey, they're coming down to the jail to get him. So I don't know what you want to do about that. But just like, so you know, because it was said to be a group of about 30 men at most. Yeah. So the sheriff, they took Edward and then they moved him. They moved him to like the secluded area that was about like a mile outside of town or something like that. And obviously somebody stayed with them. And then the sheriff came back to the prison and met the mob there. And he's like, no, 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 you're not fucking doing this. Like, y'all need to chill out. Fucking leave. Goodbye. So he defused the mob. They eventually went home and gave up. Whatever. Then they bring Edward back. Right. But they were worried about his safety. So they sent him over to another prison that will sound familiar to you guys. He was moved to Moundsville, which for those that might not have listened to that episode, definitely check it out. It's there was a lot of bad things and a lot of bad people there and all kinds of shit. He was there for three years. And there was during this time like a flu and measles epidemic going on and in prisons because of how poor the conditions are like this ran rampant. Right. Yeah. So Edward 
he died from the flu in 1900. (laughs) And that's what happened to him. And then he would be buried at the cemetery there on site in an unmarked grave, which was common. Like they had there's so many unmarked graves there. But now, as far as Mary Jane goes, she says that she swears she was still visited by Zona and, you know, her apparition and everything every single day or every, you know, every night, the rest of her life. And she eventually passed away from like old age in 1916. But after that, there has been no reports of Zona anywhere in that area. So I'm assuming she like you know, got her justice and all of that and went to go wherever we go and we die. And yeah, she's just like a murder mystery solving ghost. So yeah, that's Zona or the Greenbrier ghost. Wow. (laughs) It's interesting. It sounds like a Scooby-Doo case. Right? I kind of like it though. I feel like, and I know like when I was reading on this, they've done, there's been some like media stuff with it. I feel like it would be a really cool video game. I'm just saying. Like, if you play a Zona and you have to help solve your own murder, I don't know. I feel like that would be interesting. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool. I do think it'd be cool. But that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for this episode. If you would like your own dedicated episode here on the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. This perk starts at our $10 tier. And again, thank you, Sarah, for supporting the show and selecting this topic. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. <laughs>